Hi, I'm Matt from Moa Marks 66 Barbecue, and you're listening to Barbecue Base. Welcome to Barbecue Base. I'm your host as ever, Alex Lawson, and I'm joined by my trusty co-host, a man who can walk on barbecue sauce and split the fat of Arnaju like the Red Sea with the flick of his hand. <laughs> it's Barbecue Jesus himself, Noel Haspadakis. How are you, Noel? I'm very well, thank you, Alex. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited about this week. Um, Same. Extremely excited because it's a very special episode. Um, some of you may have seen that we... Um, put a couple of posts up earlier about it as well um but for those that didn't this is something we've wanted to do for a long time and we're straying from our usual episode format to hold a bit of a round table a meeting of some of the best barbecue minds out there to give you everything you've ever wanted to know about brisket the king of meats um so if we run a little longer than our usual uh sort of hour or so you'll have to bear with us and just take it as some added value into your lives this one could go a little while but i think it's worth it um and there's so much good stuff to get to and we're joined by two guests who really should know a lot about brisket how to prep and cook them to perfection no pressure um so first up uh it's with great pleasure pleasure that we um welcome Anse franklin pitmaster extraordinaire um, and many will know him from time at fireworks and a number of other places around the uh, around town um, and from your social media and being at Meatstock and doing presentations there. Sort of been <clears throat> everywhere, but um, he, we like to think of him as one of the godfathers of New Zealand barbecue. So, Ants, welcome to Barbecue Base. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Noel, for, you know, it's really humbling to be here in amongst... Um, legends of yourself um yeah thanks for having me cheers absolutely and um joining ants uh, is one of the ogs of the new zealand competition scene um chief sourceman of the four sourcemen one of new zealand's most successful and well-known competition teams and now one of new zealand's most successful rub and sauce makers it's adam winter adam welcome to barbecue base mate thanks alex and thanks and all for having us it's actually Quite humbling being here with uh, with the brisket man himself. Actually, um, I remember tasting his brisket at fireworks, and it, it blew my socks off how good it was. So, you were the benchmark, mate, for me back then. So, thank you. I think I think we all remember the fireworks days, right? That was kind yeah. of our introduction to uh, proper American barbecue in town. So, it was bloody good times, though. Very good times, mate. Very good times. I think we're going to find out, hopefully, find out some of those secrets for everybody <laughs> later on, and um, so stay tuned. But before we get to all things beefy and briskety, uh, we do have a couple of items to catch up on. Uh, the SCA scene, um, really in full flow. Um, and again, last weekend, we had the Island Stakeout down in Tauranga. Um, and that seemed to be a very successful uh, event once more. And you know what? Congratulations again to Stephen <laughs> Cook, uh, who took out first place steak. Wow. Um, 
He's really on fire this year. Um, second first place of the year for Stevens. So um, I think he's making a big play for the number one spot. And I think Derek Paul's mm. just on top still, but mm. probably feeling very nervous and with a bit of heat heat on the old collar. Mm. Um, and as that was his second first of the year, obviously he'd already <laughs> got his golden ticket. So the golden tri- ticket dropped to the second place and let's face it it didn't exactly drop very far because it <laughs> dropped straight to his brother Michael who picked up second so well done Michael wow. mm. um, and the thought of both cook boys hitting Houston mm. at the same time is a scary one for many many reasons <laughs> it's going to be all three of them Brian's going to be there as well I'm sure it's even scarier <laughs> the captain will be there um, the captain so yeah. a family affair well done Mike well done Steve Brilliant places in stake. And well done to friend of the show, Matt Flanagan from Marmark 66. He was on last time um, with his lovely wife, Heather. And he picked up third in um, that event as well. So mm. um, some real top name uh, New Zealand steak cookers mm. picking up the picking up the spoils, I think. Mm. Uh, very I good think, results. I think Heather picked up a place as well, didn't she? So she got second. She in... picked up. So um, she was in the wings category. She got yeah. second in wings. And yeah. Derek Paul, who's normally uh, the, the wing ma- or the wang master, he likes to describe himself as. Um, but they were both taken out by first-time SCA cook Mike Kovic, um, known from Notorious PIT, so not exactly first-time cook in competitions, no. but it was his first SCA, and he picked up first in wings. Yeah. And um, Adam, was he was he somehow associated with uh, or a little connection, we believe? Yes, Mike's been running some um, experimental rubs that we've been playing with the last couple of weeks, and we ran it at the SCA with him as well, so... Um, being really great actually supporting Mike and his team and um, we, we really like his, uh, his approach to food. Mm. Um, mm. He really cares about mm. what he does, mm. he cares how it looks, he cares how it tastes. Um, he's, he's a clever cook, mm. he's a clever cook. And it's not just barbecue either, is mm. it? So, no. I mean, his, his food repertoire is massive, isn't it? So, Absolutely. He's got a lot of so passion, So, given the win, you pulled the trigger mm. on a thousand kilos, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, it was a very pretty box. I don't know if um, you guys saw it, but, you know, he used mm. the Alabama white sauce, which I'm just all yep. over with wings now, you know, like yep. I've, you know, you guys will know I've used it quite a lot. And Matt Fulton, I think, is uh, one of the only people that's handed it in in comp and always, always enjoy seeing those boxes as well. So, well done, Mike. Yeah, very good. Very good result. Um, and, you know, hey, that means that when you do release that rub, you're able to put award-winning sticker on it. <laughs> 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 Um, and look, another first-time entrant took out the uh, burger category, and that was um, many will know him from the competition circuit, Levi Filth from the new his new team, Filthy Q. So um, mm. he apparently made a beef cheek burger, which sounded um, pretty epic. I haven't seen any pictures of it, but mm. I would be keen to take a look. Yeah, um, I asked for pictures actually because I'm in a chat group with Levi, and uh, he didn't take any pictures. You know, it's one of those yeah. sort of first comp things where you forget to to do that. But he didn't get any pictures. But mate, I mean, look, the guy cooks incredibly well, so doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I think he would have gone into it um, not as confident, but I had no doubt that he would do something quite special there. So I'm very happy for him. Exactly. Mm. And um, look, second in that category went to Waikato's Lisa Thompson, and third once again. Michael Cook. So the Cook mm. boys have definitely um, found their niche in SCA. <laughs> oh, we had a cook, I think. Eh? Yeah. Um, 
So the next SEA comp up for anyone is in Nelson in the South Island, the top of the South. So keep a look out for that. Mm. And um, look, big news this week from the NZBA, uh, launch of the new website. So it's kind of separated fully from the Australian Barbecue Alliance website. We've got our own site, which is awesome. Um, and that's the, it's the Barbecue Alliance, bbqalliance.co.nz. And you have the opportunity to sign up as a full member, which I've done. I believe you have done as well, Noel, I'm, I'm sure. Um, $48 a year. For that, you'll get a nice shiny membership card. So that's worth it just for that, in my opinion. Um, but you'll also get access to a lot of special offers through the partners, which include you know some of the stores, the suppliers, etc. that have signed on to be partners. So that you'll probably be able to make that $48 back pretty quick in discounts. Um, and look, I think it's just great that you that we're able now to contribute to um, the NZBA properly, and realise the work that goes into putting in putting on comps, um, marketing everything, bringing kind of barbecue into New Zealand. It's 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 quite important. So um, there's a lot of infrastructure to fund, a lot of people that put a lot of time in that need um, costs reimbursed, etc. So I think if you're Certainly, if you're a comp team or enjoy judging regularly, then I think it's something that you just you should be doing as a as a matter of um, conscience. I'd say, yeah. um, little thanks and payback to those great people who make our hobby even better. Hundred percent. I mean, the the page in itself and the the maintenance, you know, and the the culling of posts and all of that is just huge, right? And I guess they provided us with a platform to share methods, recipes, help each other out, you know. So I think it's a great opportunity to. Yeah, give back as you say. So I think everyone, everyone, you know, that's getting something out of that group should jump on that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and look, finally, Noel, I saw that you mm-hmm. got to have a bit of a play this week on something quite exciting, the, uh, a big new toy, and you got close up to the new Weber Smart Fire. So you know, how, smoke fire, smoke fire. How was that? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, um, mate. It was good fun, to be honest with you. I mean. You know, pellet pellet grills are, are very polarizing. Um, if you look at the trends in the states, you know the trend is definitely towards pellet grills and UDS. Um, and I thought it was—it's only a matter of time before that starts to trend here as well. You know, so I think it's good timing for Weber to bring something like that out here. Um, key takeouts from it—I mean, I only really cooked three things on it. So I cooked a tomahawk reverse sear. Uh, we cooked some chicken wings, which we seared first, actually, just to test the sort of six hundred Fahrenheit searing potential so we seared those first and put them on the top rack and let them come up to internal temp um and then we also cooked some smoked sausages so they were mainly fast cooks you know um and look in terms of the performance on those cooks brilliant actually um adam we used your um black rub actually on the tomahawk fantastic it's quite surprised actually like the when you reverse it so we had it running at 275 but it had quite a decent crust and smoke ring in a very very short period of time so not uncommon for pellet grills to you know develop a really good um, smoke ring Mm. in terms of deck appeal um that's probably the main one i mean it's beautiful right it's like a work of art sitting on your deck um there's no side hopper so it's all at the back of the unit um you know they've got the 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 hopper that feeds into the auger and and that's a shoot now so it stops the sort of burn back into the hopper mm-hmm. so there's quite a few design features that i guess were slammed in some of the us mm. based reviews right yeah. so there's a lot of bad publicity around yeah. it but look based on the cook that i saw on saturday none of those um issues existed um for hot cooks 
Um, that said, though, I will be cooking a brisket and a pork butt on it. I was talking to Jamie today. So rather than just say yes, you know, it's it's amazing. I'd rather sort of reserve judgment until I cook the, the sort of bigger proteins. But mm. so far, so good. That's where I'll leave that. Awesome. Yeah, it looked, it looked, it looked excellent. Mm. Um, so I think uh, there's a number of people who'd be interested in that when it hits the stores and gets into circulation. Now, fanfare. Da, 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 da. It is time for the first ever barbecue-based round table. And as we said before, we're talking the king of meats, briskets. How we're going to do this is we've got Noel, Ants and Adam ready to impart all of their top secret knowledge to us and I will ask the questions that I know you have out there because I probably have them too uh, so I'll ask everything clever and dumb because I've got them all in my own head um, <laughs> and what we're going to do we're going to cover it from a backyard and a competition angle so we'll kind of try and give something out there for everybody um, there's probably even some commercial stuff that will come in from um, ants as well so how to cook 100 briskets in one go or something like that. That's good. One and a half tons of meat every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so look, without further ado, with our panel of the godfather of New Zealand barbecue, commercial pit master, all-round good bugger ants, Franklin, the four sourcemen's captain, awarded brisket cook and rub producer, Adam Winter, and barbecue Jesus himself, Noel. Let's get into it. And I think... Starting at the beginning, and we got this question earlier, and I didn't think much of it at first. I was like, no, I probably won't ask that. And then it, I thought, actually, that's a really, really good question, and it's one for you, Ants, I think, to start mm. off. <clears throat> Why is brisket the king of meats? Well, personally, um, it's it's one of those proteins that, you know, um, you sort of have a love and hate relationship with it. Like, sometimes it turns out... so turns out good and sometimes it turns out terrible um <laughs> i'm gonna say when <clears throat> i when i when i when i skip when i see um like you're on the new zealand barbecue alliance page right and you have and i envy people that go hey man this is my first brisket i nailed it man i was like shit man these people are like nailing it like to be honest man it took me 10 to 12 yeah. big pack of briskets to actually yeah. have a half decent one like man, most of my briskets I used to that I used to smoke back then were just gumboots, man. And and like I mean, you know, you learn from them and stuff mm. like that. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those proteins that I, I I like and stuff like you cook it well and stuff like that. And it, yeah, it's 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 magic, man. Mm. When you mm. cook a, a a good brisket and mm. stuff like that. So you're one of the few mm. people I know that would choose brisket as your beef cut over everything else yeah yeah absolutely so most yeah. people go yeah like brisket but you mm. know really love shorties but ants has always been brisket you know if you cook it right mm. yeah it's one. I mean, it's one of those proteins that um yeah are, are pretty tough to to nail eh? i mean you got your 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 your, your beef shorties and stuff which are quite forgiving because it's on the bone and stuff like that and, and and it doesn't take as long as you you know with your briskets and stuff um, and then you know you got all your other meats that you like to do pulled beef and like your chuck and stuff like mm. that. But you know brisket's one of those things that like yeah, it's just yeah. it's it's still it's it's still a learning thing for me I as think, well. Yeah, you know I love the challenge of cooking it. It's Absolutely, my, it's my favourite one at competitions, right? And mm. Adam, you know 
we've seen it. It can kick your ass. It doesn't matter who you are. Exactly. You can be. Yeah. You can have won brisket three times in a row, and then you're just going to absolutely stuff one up, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Look, we when we started cooking brisket, I think Meat Stock 17 was our first comp for, with brisket. Mm. And it was the most awful thing I've ever cooked. It was, <laughs> honestly, I was embarrassed putting it in the box. Um, we were lucky. We had the guys from um, uh, Barbecue Mafia in Australia next door mm. to our tent. Yeah. And, and Ryan was very helpful giving us mm. a few hints. But at the same time, we, we didn't get it right. And um, we'd spent a bit of money getting a nice ocean brisket and yeah, we practiced yeah. it for a couple of weeks. And its practices also didn't go all that well. And we just thought, what are we going to do? And we turned mm. up on the day and did our best. But um, it's taken, like Ant said, 10 or 12 briskets to actually figure out the starting point and get one right. Yeah, and, and from there, we've still yeah. failed on a few in between. Mm. And, and finding the right brisket to cook, I think, is number one. Mm. And sticking with it. And, and making sure you, you figure it out on that particular mm. brisket and, and be consistent with it. And look after it. Yeah. Care about it. True story on on, on comp. We we did fireworks that are comp out in um, Kimmy, first mm. one. <laughs> I stuffed up the brisket, it was overcooked and stuff, and I was like, man, we need to get something inside a box. So we did burnt ends and pulled brisket. <laughs> Pulled brisket, <laughs> and you know we landed a food. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. "Oh, so texture and taste would have been, you know, onto." But far ah, man, who would, who would have done that? Well, well, we had, mate, to, we had mate, to put something in. To be fair, most people wouldn't think about doing that. They just think, you know, I've messed yeah. it up. Mm. You know, maybe get the burnt ends in. Mm. You know, but I think that's where your chef sort of training kicks in and you, you've yeah. got a much more creative mind than the average, you know, comp barbecue. Yeah. So, yeah. Actually, uh, I, I, rem- I remember that. I tasted that. <laughs> I tasted that. It was really good. <laughs> I, I may have mentioned this on an earlier episode. One of our best results with brisket was where we knew we'd stuffed the flat up yeah. and we'd done the burnt ends and we were going, what are we going to do? And we are going, well, we could just put the burnt ends in. The burnt ends are really good. And then we looked over and we had like a little piece of point left. So we just sliced that and used that as... Yeah. As those yeah. slices, oh, and yeah, got one of our best results. It was like you know, solid top ten. Yeah, regardless of what yeah. part yeah. of the brisket. Yeah. So you know, if we're if we're thinking about you know, the, like you say, people going, I'm going to do my first brisket, whatever, and mm. and I think the first hurdle to get past, it's really daunting, is just going and buying it, right? And there's mm. there's lots of different types. There's lots of price points. You know, you don't if you first you don't want to be going out buying a three hundred dollar wagyu, you know, eight marble school brisket or whatever. Mm. You, but do you go out and get the, you know, the sixty dollar Greenlee or like, so when you're choosing like no where 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 do people start? Where should they start? And what's the difference between these cuts? Yeah, I think that the the reality, you know, everyone can say yeah, let's go out and buy a Snake River Farms, but the reality of it is buy the best brisket that you can afford. You know, that's where it starts. True. You know, don't overcommit. Mm. Um, I cooked a Greenlee on the weekend for a barbecue that I went to. You know, I actually use that product quite frequently. It's bloody good. Um, tell you a little story about that, actually. So I did a, a masterclass with Harry Sue. Um, I think I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but we had a Snake River Farms and a Greenlee, and there was a blind tasting, and only one person in the crowd liked the Snake River Farms. Everyone else liked mm. the Greenlee. So actually, the grass-fed briskets are probably going to taste more familiar to you having brought, been brought up on grass-fed beef. You mm. know, the Snake River Farm is 100% grain-fed, so it will taste quite different, you know. So if you cook mm. that first up, 
you might actually not like the flavour of that. Mm. So for me, it's all about selecting the best grass-fed, you know, maybe grass-fed grain finish, Wakanui ocean beef, you know, um, if you can mm. go up into that level. It's always good to have a bit of extra marbling to protect the meat. And mm. what about, so, yeah, Adam, what about when you're sat or stood, not sat, although sometimes I like to sit in the butcher and spend some time <laughs> in there, but uh, I'm not sure Reuben enjoys it so much when I do that. But, um, you know, what, what should they be looking for? Like when you pick one up, when you've got it in your hands and actually looking at this bit of meat, what should you be looking for? I think um, when you're talking about home brisket versus comp brisket, um, home brisket we do use grass-fed uh, brisket because I prefer the flavour. I, yep. I, I, mm. It's one thing I do like. There's that mm. slightly more stronger flavour, mm. which um, I prefer. Um, I, I actually like cooking the Wakanui brisket. Um, mm. I think it's a really good brisket. Um, Just can't get out of it. No, it's so hard to buy. Um, Ocean I really, really still like. Yeah. Um, the First Light product's a good product. Um I think when you're looking at the product and you and you, and you pack the packet up and um, look for the marble, look for look for the marble on it. Turn mm. it over. Flip the butchers don't mind. Turn it up. Flip, flip it over. Mm. Ask them behind the counter. Mm. Is, have you got any more I can look at? Mm. Um, they don't mind. They, they're, they're into it too. You know. Um, I've been in Ruben's shop and I've been through his fridge, and and, and I'll pick up boxes of brisket and go through them. Mm. Um, mm. And he encourages it, so mm. so they don't mind. And, and also get to know your butcher. I think too. If you've got a local you, you mm. work with, um, chat to him, get, get to mm. know him and his brands and where he gets his meat from and that sort of thing. I think that's really important. Uh, but do look at the briskets and look for that marble. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. So I, people, I, I know if you watch a lot of the American stuff, they'll talk about you know, making getting a floppy brisket. Mm. And I'm not sure that, you know, is that so needed over here? Like We seem to have a slightly different type. We don't, because we don't have that big, lump of hard fat that they like to leave in which is often what they're sort of getting you to check for right yeah mm. I, i've i've not struck that here i've i have heard of the technique and i have picked them up and tried to feel what they're trying to feel <laughs> the snake river products are all frozen so she's pretty tricky doing it with those, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to be fair so mm. bend it over your knee yeah. um we do use some of the snake river products for our comp briskets mm. um and that's purely uh the amount of fat available amount, amount of marbling available marbling, and yeah. for the price price versus marble they're pretty good um, and, and, and forgiving enough for comp. If we get it wrong, uh, we, we, we can get away with it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, with, with the floppiness, um, I was talking to Ruben about this, but wet aging is quite important. You know, So if you look at, on, on, on most briskets, the butcher will be able to tell you when that cow was killed um, or slaughtered, let's say. Um, and sometimes it's sort of a week or two before you actually get it into a packet on the shelf so there's no age to it right so if you actually let that break down over 30 days mm. the meat starts to break down and it starts to so a bit floppy like so i think the floppiness is less about the big fat cavity here and more about the age, age. on the meat you know mm. so the age of a brisket is actually going to cook up a lot better than a real fresh one mm. and with the wet aging you kind of don't want to take it out of the uh, the cryovac that no. it comes in though you don't want to open it up and then put it in the fridge and leave no. it all go bad pretty yeah. quick yeah, yeah you've got to keep an eye on the so i mean the, the thing about wet aging is you have to make sure that the vac pack doesn't compromise mm. so if you start to see bubbles in the packet generally i'll take it back to ruben and say can you revac that re that for me not cooking that many briskets, so it's only once in a blue moon. If you're going in every week, you probably <laughs> you probably get the hunt with you. But you know, just keep an eye on that. Make sure there's always a, a you know a really tight seal. Yeah. Um, the longest one I've done is a full ocean beef, and I, I dry uh, wet aged that for a hundred days. 
Um, so it was, yeah, probably two and a half months past its sell-by date, and it's one of the best briskets I've cooked. So, wow. you know, it, it's, yeah, just just get creative around the wet aging as well. What about dry aging? Where Do we we dry aged brisket, or is it not really the type of thing that takes to a dry age? Have you done one of those before? Um, okay, so here's my, th- my thinking around dry aging. Um, dry aging, you lose quite a lot of the mass of the piece of meat. And you lose a lot of the moisture, right? So in steak, it intensifies. In brisket, you do everything you can to keep the moisture in. So why would you spend 50 days trying to get the moisture out? So honestly, I've never done one. I know people Mm. that have. And it's just ended up being a very small brisket. And it hasn't, you know, I've never really spoken. I've seen pictures of it in the the Pitmaster page. But it doesn't look particularly moist. So Mm. I I would say that it would probably end up being dry. But hey, look, you know, if you want to try it, why not? Just yep. give it a go on a small piece and see what you think. And what about so like at the restaurants, Ants? Like, mm. I mean, what sort of briskets are they using commercially? Because traditionally, I guess you'd have thought people go for the cheapest product they can get. But I think there's quite a few places bucking that trend, aren't there? Yeah, well, and like where I'm at the moment, um, we tend to try and get real good quality briskets i mean your ob's your wakanui um but there's not a whole lot of it uh, nowadays because obviously you know it gets shipped to japan and stuff like that but we we tend to try and use stuff that it has a good grain fed finish on it because it holds better in, in a sham so um so we always go for for quality and stuff when it comes to brisket uh, within um commercial and stuff like that yeah so so you can actually be pretty sure you're getting a kind of a t- uh, same as you might have at home whatever when you go to a restaurant it's not it's not like a mass bought that they've mm. cooked really well it's, yeah. I mean they've obviously cooked it well yeah, as well absolutely. But, you know, yeah yeah <laughs> starting mm. from a good place as well and thinking on the competition side um, you know are we if you don't use Wagyu are you done are you toasted what, what do you it think does make it hard um, I think too because the hardest part of the brisket to cook is the flat <clears throat> and we mm. need you need fat in there. You just got to have fat in there to, yeah, to, to get it to cook right. Yeah. Um, lean lean briskets and comps now are, are hard to use, and there's um, the, the boys are all buying the, the pretty good briskets nowadays. Yeah. To try yeah. and um, to try and take that little advantage. Mm. It would be nice to see a comp one day with a supplied brisket. Um, we did one in Napier last year. usually supplied, which, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, which right. which was good. It was everyone had something slightly different size wise and. But the product was the same, so um, I think it made the comp reasonably even. Um, mm. Are you wanting to see a comp that has grass-fed? Or? Uh, not, maybe even. Hey, it'd be great to see a Greenlee comp yeah. at the end of the day, and let's have a, let's have a $60 brisket and mm. do your best with it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think, I think it's, it, it's tricky now in, in, in comp because there's so many sponsored teams that get in mm. meat. Um, mm. There's so many sponsor teams that get an Aussie product, which is, let, let's face it, you know, Aussie does beef incredibly well. We do lamb incredibly well. Um, so if you're a sponsored team getting a Robins Island or a, you know, something like mm. that, that is a serious brisket, right? So if you're putting that up against a, a Greenlee for a new team, and that's probably the sort of yep. price banding you're in when you first start out, you know, it does make it very difficult. So. Yeah, save your pennies. Um, <laughs> buy, buy the buy the best brisket for comp, and yeah. again, that makes it hard because you're not practicing with you know the same so product. True. But mm, you know, yeah. save save the good product for for the comp. So you know, we've got we've we've bought our brisket, we've got it home, 
and we're probably at one of the most daunting phases apart from actually trying to cook the damn thing and we've got to trim it and um, I think that can that can put people into kind of fits of stress working out what to do with it and, and one of those big um, questions is do you separate you know, so do we who's for home or for either home? I mean it's okay. a good competition question as well because it's it's probably 50 50 on the comp side that I've seen but at home are we bothering to separate the point and the flat um, I have done experimentally mm. um, but to be honest with you you're losing a lot to trim when you do that you know if you do a mm. comp trim at home so for me, the yield is really important for home brisket. I want as much of it on the plate as mm-hmm. possible, so yeah. I tend not to for home. <clears throat> Personally, yeah, I would, yeah, I would, I would just for me, I'll would, I would leave it whole, depending on what type of brisket it is as well, whether it be grass or, or grain fed finish or wagyu. Um, actually, no, I'm lying. I'll do. I'll just keep it whole <laughs> and just season it, and I'll just. Chuck it in the smoke <clears throat> and, you, you and hardly, hope for the best. You hardly trim as well, man. I mean, you know, like I, I learned that from you. You know, I mean, I've, I've started to trim a lot harder than we originally discussed. You know, but yeah, I, know, I, I, I think it depends on yeah. what what sort of brisket you, you, you get and stuff mm. like that. And looking at a brisket, and then then you know, okay, I'm going to trim that. No, I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, the amount of fat on it and stuff like that. Then you know. Then you make a, call. make a call, yeah, and what you want to do and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. What about on the comp side, Adam? Are you guys separators or are you uh, holders? Uh, no, we separate them. Um, we we find a bit more control um, when we separate them. Our cook time comes down. Uh, we can control the cook a bit more. Um, if we cook whole briskets, they do vary quite a lot. The fat between the muscles can be big can be small mm. any cook time can change uh, considerably mm. so we, we we if it's for home brisket and i cooked a brisket on sunday um we left it whole it's just that's the home very little trim lots mm. of rub get the thing going uh, and, and it comes out great we use it for weeks and we freeze it and we have fun with it mm. um for, for comp if we're coming up to a comp i'll practice them separated if we've changed brand of brisket or if that brisket's not available um mm. we have to move brand um, we will practice a separated version of it um, because mm. they do all cook differently. A first light will cook differently to a Snake River, which will cook differently to a, mm. a Wakanui. So Absolutely. You've, you've got to run. And, and we measure the thickness of the flat when we cook them, when we separate them. So we know that's going to take X amount of hours. We cook mm. a little bit hotter than we used to. We started at, you know, the, everyone's 225, and we now cook it close to 300. Mm. So we can control that a little bit better now. Mm. And mm. like for the for all the people sitting at home at the moment, and they don't, they might never have seen a comp trim. You know what? How? What's the difference between a comp trim and a home trim on a brisket? Uh, a home trim, we we just take a very small amount of fat off. We we're not too fussy to be fair. Uh, we leave the fat underneath it, and, and we run with it. For a full mm. comp trim, we take all the fat off. Um, we leave a little bit on the bottom to protect the meat, but across the top where the rub has to go on. That that goes all the way back to the to the protein, right back to the meat, yeah. um, and that point and flat gets it gets trimmed pretty hard. Yeah. We trim it down mm. to size as well, so we know it's going to fit in the box, mm. and we trim the um, the point down so that the height of the uh, the burnt ends will all be the same. So we, we get pretty hard on it. So it's it's you cry with the wastage. Yeah. Yeah. But you're sm- you're doing smash burgers surely with the trim. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, just send it. In, mate. <laughs> You'd probably drop if you've got a seven eight kilo brisket. You're dropping what? How many kilos are coming off as on the comp trim? A good two and a half. 
Yeah. Mm. It comes it's right nasty. down, doesn't if it? It's a snake it, river. It, yeah, it's it depends. Like it's worse. Yeah. 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 Because you can get up to 50% lossage on snake river farms. Yeah. That's fat. Yeah, that's fat. And then it's cooked. I cooked a 10 kilo one and took 2.4 kilos of fat off it. And actually. Just the fat. Yeah, mm. and the first time mm. I did it, I threw the fat away. And the next time I got a snake river, I was like, I'm going to keep that. Mm. I'm going to mince that in with my, mm. you know, lean beef. Yep. So mm. I was adding Wagyu fat to just standard grass-fed mince, yep. mm. and it was bloody awesome. So mm. if you do get a snake river, keep the fat that sort of, there's no, you take the sinew off, get rid of all the gnarly bits, and just mm. keep the, the solid fat and just grind that into your burger mince. Mm, absolutely now one one thing that popped up a few times actually on the uh questions from everybody out there was around injection injecting and injections and there was a variety of questions but um i know some people are injectors and some people aren't and it, and it does vary so i'm intrigued what are, what are you got answer you an injector beef is not a junkie people <laughs> <laughs> amen to that brother. yeah um to uh um i have when i first started off doing a bit of comps and stuff like that um never never ejected um just plain old um seasoning on it and stuff like that just because i was new to it and stuff like that um but um no never 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 um i was never um trying to doing injections and stuff like that um I, i've always believed that you know you let the beef do the the talking and then and and whatnot but um but that's that's my personal you know opinion and stuff like that i guess when you're going down the competition scene and stuff like that you know you want that you want to wow the judges with one bite or and you know and um i feel that yeah injecting and stuff like that loading all your um you know your your um liquid and stuff into into that brisket um yeah why the hell not but another another advice i'd say is that if you're starting off and you're doing brisket whether it be brisket or pork or stuff like that smoke it for what it is um and then when when you nail that then and if you want to go down that um avenue of trying injections and stuff by all means go for it do you think though that if you're starting out and you're on that lower end of brisket, mm. you know, like the the stuff that won't have as much fat? We just talked about how much fat mm. there isn't or is in in mm. the flat. Does the injection help the backyarder have a bit more success with their brisket, or do you think that's false? To be honest, I I, I I've never done a lot of injecting and stuff, especially in the flat. But if anything, if you're gonna do something like a grass fed. Um, I'd get some good colour on it, um, and I would fully wrap it in foil mm-hmm. with, with this moisture and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. um, and if for the backyarders, if you want to serve, if you want to serve your flat or whatnot, um, I'd recommend slicing when and what you know, when you need it. Instead mm. of I've seen a lot of people slice a uh, um, a, a, whole a, a whole thing. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, once you slice that, it, it oxidizes straight away. It dries up, so I'd, I'd recommend people slice of what you need, and then just keep it whole because the moisture keeps within the you know within that um, flat. So yeah, Adam, are you a, are you a <coughs> uh, injector? You must be at comps. 
Uh, we are for comps, not not at home. Home, we just run them as they are, mm. as they're meant to be. Um, for comp, we we're, we're trying to find that one percent all the time mm. and add them all together to make five some, hopefully. Um, so we do inject injections. There's lots available. There's some American products that um, you can buy off the shelves. You can make your own. Uh, we do make our own injections. Um, we, I, I t- if if I go back to something like a a, a really good steak, and I like a, a nice jus on a steak. And mm. if I can replicate that flavour from my, my jus into an injection and mm. it bleeds out of my brisket, it's something that I really like. Mm. Um, I don't like a lot of the, the fake flavours that are coming in some of these injections. Um, they're very strong, very salty. Um, mm. And for that one bite, you do need a bit of salt and you do need yeah, to, yeah, to hit it hard. Yeah. But um, I still like to have flavours. Like our, fla- our, our injection flavours are things a little bit like red wine and mushroom and mm. things like that. Those are the flavours I really like with beef. Mm. Um, that's a kiwi yeah. thing for me because you want flavors that will bring out the actual protein of it. Eh? You don't absolutely. want to, uh, you know, overpower it. Yeah. No, so, absolutely. Yeah. Now this is this is quite comp related, really. But um, when we had Harry Sue on the show, he talked about uh, his competition briskets. He couldn't eat them, like because he has to put so much salt. Because his theory around is around that by the time you get to brisket, which is always the last judged meat, mm-hmm. the judges taste buds are, are so mullered from you know every sauce and everything like that that's been uh, been before them so he says you have to almost make your briskets inedible mm. yeah our, our, i've got to be honest our new plymouth brisket we cooked uh, which we got second for we sarah and i tasted it afterwards and man it was strong it was something we weren't prepared to put in a sandwich the next day. Yeah. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> but it did very well at the comp because it, it, it busted out that one that one bite. And and, I, and, and I, think, I think that's the key thing. I mean, my, my view about injections, I've always been quite anti them, if I'm honest, right? Um, the reason for that is I generally like to cook food that I'll feed to my children. And I think a comp brisket half the time has got so much stuff in it that you really wouldn't want to give the kids. Absolutely. You know? um, however... If you are looking to get into injecting, I think everyone should try it. Um, there is a textural difference with the meat. So I believe that if you're not using nitrates, which make the water adhere to the protein, if you're just using flavours, it kind of, to me, steams the meat from the inside out. So you get a very different texture of the brisket. Mm-hmm. So be aware of that. Um, pork's actually quite good to inject. You can just inject pineapple juice and sugar and butter, and that actually does good things to pork. But... Brisket for me, um, I just like to leave it alone. You know, I probably left competition just as everyone was getting into the sort of advice from Australia going, do this, do that. So I kind of left before it was common. Um, But look, I think to compete now, you know, you kind of have to, you know, and especially if you're trimming that hard. You you look at um, Matt Flanagan from Mile Marker 66, you know, probably one of the best trimmers I've seen. Beautiful trim. But that that piece of meat is going to lose so much moisture, you know. So you've mm. got to you've got to inject them, you know, in yeah. comp to, to compete with others. Mm. So yeah, that's my yeah. my take. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we so. find that we have to. Um, we got given a tip that if you can't drink the injection, then you shouldn't inject it. It's pretty true. <laughs> yeah. So we make it and then we try we drink it and we yep. work out if we could. Yeah. Yep. Drink it, and then we'll use it. So we use the yep. the, the pre-bought American stuff. Yep. But you're right, Adam. It is very very strong. I mean, some of the beef oh. ones is like making up um, marmite 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stick, you stick your nose in the, in the packet and have a sniff, and you just yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. eat it. it it's mm. honestly. I, th- I think you. I think you know. For those that are new to competition that are going to start injecting, it's inevitable. Just bear in mind that if you're a injection producer, it's in your interest for people to use as much of it as possible because then you buy another jar. Mm. So mm. in my experience using injections where I've had to, um, I usually half the dose, start there, mm. and then build up from that. Keep yeah. tasting, mm. keep adding, have a blender with you as well. You know, a lot mm. of people try and mix it with a spoon or a whisk. Actually have a blender, smash it through the blender, then strain it before you put it in your injector. But my view is to start low and then build up mm-hmm. and just keep tasting if good you're going to inject. Very, yeah. very, very good yeah. advice. Yep. Yep. Now, the other, the other side of um, flavour on your brisket is obviously rubs. So um, lucky that we have some people who understand a little <laughs> bit about rubs <laughs> around this table to talk about that. Um, so, you know, when, when I think, Adam, when, you're, when you guys are, are, are formulating a rub, and especially for beef. I mean, what what are those flavours that you? Because there's a lot of people who want to use. There's a lot of people who use pre-bought. I use pre-bought because I'm lazy and I don't want to make my own. Mm. But um, a lot of people actually want to make their own. And what are the, the kind of those key flavours that they should be looking for for beef and for brisket? I think you've got to find that umami that they go on about. That they talk about that mouth feel where it's full. It's 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 flavoursome. Um, we started out using things like. Um, Mushroom powder, to be honest, years ago, um, because it had a really <laughs> big, deep flavour. And it's something I've always really liked on beef short rib and on brisket. I've always used it. We didn't put it into a commercial rub because it smells bad. Mm. When you open a packet of rub, you want to smell it, and it's meant to smell good. Mm. And you taste it, and it's meant to taste good out of the packet. But it, mushroom powder doesn't taste good, and it doesn't smell good, but it mm. cooks beautifully. <laughs> so we, at some point, we'll put a mushroom powder into one of our rubs, um, probably along the lines of the beef rub we currently do with the, with the beetroot in it, we want to we we do want to add a little bit of mushroom into there at some mm. point. We're just got to get people on board a little mm. bit with it mm. because that is polarising. Mm. Um, but it is one I really like. I love mm. that depth of good of beef. Notes, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got a huge amount. Absolutely, and yeah. look, I like a little bit of spice too with my brisket. Um, mm. I have we, we we run a little bit of chili with our one. Um, we use a little bit of sugar so it caramelises. Um, if you're making rubs at home though yourself, make sure your granules are all the same size. Mm-hmm. If you're using garlic, it's got to be the same size as your pepper. It's got to be the same mm-hmm. size as your salt. Otherwise, they don't blend. And mm. That's good advice, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, look, what, what about the, the the Texas purists, the SPGs or the salt and literally salt and pepper guys versus the rubs? I mean, what are they using in the um, what are they using commercially? Ants? Are they using flavor t- type rubs or is it pretty much salt and pepper? I guess it's um, uh, depends on your offerings and and what sort of sort of region of barbecuing you know American region you wanna you wanna put out there. Um, for us at uh, Blocks Bay, but it's 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 straightforward salt and pepper, um, you know, a bit of kosher and NYC. Um, our pork ribs, a bit of paprika and salt and pepper, just straightforward. I mean. We would love to use, um, you know, store-bought rubs and stuff like that, but I think we're just trying to, trying to keep to sort of a, you know, a Texas flavor, uh, flavor profile mm. and stuff like that. So mm. yeah, we run off that. Yeah, mm. I think. Um, well, just back to your mushroom for a minute. Um, <laughs> one of the best burnt ends I've tasted in my life were made by ants. 
and it was a mushroom and was it Cab Sav or Shiraz? Shiraz. Yeah, so it was a mushroom and Shiraz glaze yeah. on the on the burnt ends, and you know, amazing, amazing things they were. But you know, in comp, you got to take into consideration that mushrooms are polarizing. So if mm. you look at my ex-wife and my two children, they mm. hate mushrooms. Mm. Really, really allergic to the flavour of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's quite an interesting one how you use it in comps. You mm. know, um, it was actually a, like a finishing glaze. On a, yeah, so beautiful. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah so. so good. But um, for me, I think if you're starting out in barbecue, start simple. You know, mm. so salt and pepper actually taste the flavour of the meat, mm. and then go. Well, what else could I do with that on the next cook? Mm-hmm. You know, and build layers of flavour as you go. Don't go, here's 15 ingredients, I'm going to smash them all on because you don't know where to go from there. You don't know what to remove. So start mm. with salt and pepper, maybe add some paprika next time, maybe add some garlic the next time and actually build out and just work out the flavour profiles that you like. That's probably where I'd go as a mm. sort of beginner. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mm. yeah. Which is pretty, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to look at a few people on, on the various social media pages and go, I have to put four different rubs on it and I have to... Have this thing that's literally flavoured out the out the back end because that's what you're seeing online, right? Um, but yep. simplicity, if you're starting out, is mm. yeah, is the advice then? It's, yeah. Yeah, look, it's, and I think we all started in the same place. We, we were all salt and pepper to start with, um, and then we started when the comp scene came along. We were trying to find some rubs to to lift our game a little bit. We we bought some stuff out of America. We curried mm. some stuff here. Um, and we were a little bit disappointed with some of the flavours that were coming out of America. They were, um, they tasted a bit old. They tasted a bit stale. We're like, oh, mm. we, we can do mm. better. So we just started mixing them mm. ourselves, buying ingredients from Gilmore's mm. and places like that and mm. putting them together and eventually coming up with a couple of rubs that, that did really well at some comps. And then um, people started asking us for flavours and it snowballed all from there. But mm. um, I think um, the salt and pepper is a great start. And then, as Noel said, add one flavour at a time. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. so, and, and then build something. That. Something yeah. will work. Mm-hmm. And so, when you're applying your seasoning, I mean, how much? Because I think the the temptation is when you're new to it that you just want to add loads, and you think that's great advice. Yeah. Alex. Add lots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the rub producing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you want to you want to add loads, and you think that if you don't put loads of yeah. seasoning on, you're not going to get bark and all this kind yeah. of thing. So you kind of overload it. What's the ideal sort of application? But we won't ask Adam this because we know what Adam's going to say. Yeah. So um, actually, I agree with Adam. Um, so probably the most common mistake that I see on the page is that people have rubbed some of the meat, but then if you sort of take it as a percentage, there'll be twenty percent of that brisket that hasn't got any rub on it at all. Mm. Um, and the mallard effect when you're cooking, you know, it's the mixture of heat, fat, smoke, rub mm. that actually creates the bark. So if one mm. of those components is missing anywhere on the brisket, it just won't form. So for me, it's not necessarily about using you know, a quarter of an inch thick layer of rub, but it's about getting really, really good coverage, you know, and not, you know, I I like to not see meat underneath the rub. So as soon as I've got no ball patches, I know it's kind of there. If I can see a bit that's sort of a bit more rub on it than somewhere else, I won't actually rub my hand across it. I actually push it into the meat. And if it doesn't adhere, Mm. I'll just give it a little spritz of water so it stays on. Um, But yeah, for me, it's all about real good coverage across the whole protein. I feel like it depends, well, personally, 
the sodium content of of a rub and stuff like that will dictate on how much rub you put on 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 that and stuff like that. But I've you know I've tried a lot of rubs here in New Zealand. Privileged to try the Four Sourcemen's rubs and rum and cure and stuff like that. And their rubs are really you know they're really good for our protein. Balanced. So, yeah, yeah, they're really balanced and stuff yeah. like that. One thing so, I learned about American rubs is that because they're predominantly grass-fed over there, they're a lot saltier than the New Zealand rubs. So, yeah, just the advice if you get hold of an American rub, um, just use it sparingly the first mm. time you use it, you know, mm. because the first time I used an American rub, so salty, you know, mm. ridiculously salty. And I love salt, but it was too salty, you know. So just bear in mind that their proteins are generally bigger, they're grass-fed, um, there's a lot more fat rendering out of them, so you're losing quite a bit of the rub, and, and they're purposefully amped up on the salt side of things because of the way the meat is, is produced over there. What about, uh, what do you guys think the ideal time to apply the rub is? Prior oh. to cooking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a three-hour conversation. It's flat, isn't it? Usually, I don't You know, we... Yeah, I do a mixture of different. But you start, bro. You, you know, but yeah, you start because we, how are you doing? It's been a lot of discussion. What do you do at home if you're cooking at home? How long do you uh, put the rub on in advance? Um, for me, I like to you know, depending protein, if it's brisket or something, I'd love to bring it up to room temp and stuff like that. I'd like to rub it and then maybe give it a half an hour to seep in and stuff like that, and I'll just whack it in the barbie and yeah, hope for the best. So, yeah. <laughs> um, nowadays I would say exactly what Anch just said so I'm usually putting the brisket out about one and a half to two hours before I cook mm. um, just take the chill off it really that's the first step mm. um, you then start to see moisture does actually come out of the meat as it warms up and that means your bark sticks a lot your um, rub sticks a lot better as well um, but generally I agree you know sort of half an hour before that said when mm. I first started cooking brisket I was actually rubbing it the night before. So I'd leave it on for anywhere between 8 and 12 hours. If you haven't got a vac packer, you do lose quite a lot of moisture if you do that, right? So if you just put it in a tray and leave it in the fridge, you'll see a lot of water comes out of it. And again, that's moisture that you want to kind of keep in the meat. So when I used to do it, I actually used to have a vac packer. So I'd rub it, vac pack it, and you're actually vac packing it and holding, you know, holding the meat together, like tight up against the surface so you're not losing the moisture out of the meat. That worked quite well, but to be honest with you, the difference wasn't so noticeable that it's actually easier to rub it half an hour before, you know, bring it up to temper and rub it half an hour before. So that's probably my preferred method at the moment. What about what about you, Adam, and, and maybe specifically around competitions? Mm-hmm. Are you doing it differently or, or reasonably similarly? Uh, we inject first, so it's the first part of the stage, and then we'll um, dry it off, put the rub on, and then we'll vac pack it, and then that'll be six to eight hours before it goes mm-hmm. in the smoker so yep. that um, that vacuum packing helps um, hold the injection and it really does absorb into the meat with the vac pack and mm-hmm. then obviously having the rub on the top helps it stick really well mm-hmm. as well so mm-hmm. when we, when it goes into the smoker the, the, the rub almost is adhered then so mm-hmm. it's it's that's the way for comp at home and I'm pretty casual I'm 15 minutes before get out of the fridge throw it off <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah that's the one now, but, yeah sorry I was going to say one thing one thing that kind of goes against something something that you guys have said about bringing it up to, to room temperature and this is something that I know I've read about on um, Amazing Ribs is about literally taking it straight out of the fridge and putting it on 
because you've only got up to about 140 degrees internal to build your smoke ring, which is, let's face it, it's either smoke ring doesn't really do much, anything in terms of flavour, but it looks cool when you mm. when you put it open, and put it on a page. Yeah, it and, looks good. Yeah. and although they're not meant to judge it in competitions, you eat with your eyes, and I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a believer that mm. you know having a nice developed smoke ring is is key. So, more important than bark, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, in, more, in many ways, right? Mm. You set your expectations. So, mm. I like to actually pull mine straight out of the fridge and for it to go on to the the smoker mm. straight away. I don't bring it up to temp. Like, mm. would you? You guys would be sort of having conniptions at me for doing that, or no, uh, no, because there's I'm no wrong. right or wrong. Yeah, exactly. You know, you I mean, you, bro. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if it if it works for you and your mm. pit, and I think the pit is a very important part of that. I think, right? So, if you look at drum smokers, you know, you just got to put them on there for a couple of hours, and there's a deep smoke ring. Mm. You know, mm. offsets slightly harder. Um, you know things like Kamado's obviously there's not a lot of combustion going on in there so it's harder to form a smoke ring so maybe that theory would work for different pits mm. but for what I cook on you know Weber's um, Broncos you know no I, I yeah don't have any issue with a smoke ring to be honest so so the pit the pit discussion leads us on to some very interesting territory right? oh. and we're going to stay away from pit types we're just going to stay agnostic on that certainly on, on this one but pit temperatures now we can have a long discussion about pit temperatures, <laughs> can't we, if we really want to. Um, and, you know, Adam, like you said, a lot of people, when the, when it started out, everything was 225, and then the progression has mm. got hotter and hotter and hotter. And certainly if you're in competitions, you're either kind of at that hot end, or a lot of people, some people started going back again mm. to, the two, yeah. to yeah. the 225s mm. and got back slow. So yeah. Yeah. where are we all on pit temperatures? Mate, I'm. Um, I, we started low. We've gone hot for comp, and that's really just about spending less time uh, stoking the fire. To be fair, at a comp and, and mm. getting up a bit later too. So we're bit, getting a, <laughs> getting a bit older. We're getting a bit lazier. Um, at, at, at home, I did a brisket on the weekend. We cooked it at two seventy five. Um, mm. Seems to work on our pit for whatever reason. It seems to be happy there, mm. and I can dial in our green egg at the same sort of temp as well. Mm. And it's it's happy there. Um, so I think some of it's depending on your pit. Is mm. to where it seems to find its little sweet spot. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I'm a two seventy five between two seventy five three hundred. Mm. That's that's my sweet spot. I feel that um, um, you know, it doesn't go into that stall station that uh, people say. I think it just rides it and stuff like that. And um, smoking at a, a heat at that temp, yeah, it just goes through that stall. Mm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done. Everything really from 225, 250. 250 was my go-to for a very long time. Yep. Mm. Um, and then I did the um, Aaron Franklin Masterclass. And 275 is his temp. Um, mm. So I thought I'd just try that. And when you actually convert 25 degrees into Celsius, it's not mm. an awful lot. No. It's marginal, mm. actually. So you reduce the cook by about an hour and a half to two hours mm. with very little difference to the flavour and texture of the meat. And the bark formation is still there. I think you get a clean burn too at 275. You do. You do. smoke yeah. runs clear. Combustion, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I like. Um, mm. I think the critical thing, you know, for a backyarder or someone new to it is whatever temp you decide to cook at, make sure that you can hold that temp. Um, brisket is one of the proteins that really doesn't like going from 250 to 325 to 275. To mm. So if it's bouncing all over the place, you're probably going to, you know, not be very happy with the result. So 
whatever you cook at, make sure you can hold that temperature for 10, 11 hours. Absolutely. Yeah. Too true. And um, yeah, the flipping around, the flipping around of the temperature is interesting. And do you think that one of the advantages if you start lower in your temps is you have a larger window of catching the doneness? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things if you go when you get up into that 300, 325 that some of the teams are cooking at, some of them come unstuck a little bit because <laughs> you've got a really small window to catch it. And if your brisket's coming off at a time when you're busy with maybe another protein, it's really easy to miss, right? And I know when we do ribs, we think we've got an eight minute window to catch those ribs at the perfect point and in one minute over or under and they're you know, yeah, toast, somebody but. somebody described it to me recently as when you cook low and slow, you've got a mountain that looks a bit like Rangitoto as your um, as your peak, as far as the, the doneness mm. goes. You've got a really large window, and then at hot and fast, they said it looks like a a uh, an iceberg with a peak um, mm. at the top, mm. and it's a really small area for your brisket to be done right. Mm. And, and it's very true: the hotter you go, the harder it gets to mm. find that window, mm. to catch that window. Mm. Um, so low and slow for me. We, we still do it if we're cooking mm. for instance some of the green leaf stuff I still do it 250-ish um, a little bit less mm-hmm. um, so it gives us a, a, a bigger area to catch especially if we're at home mm. and you've got things that you know your attention is not always on the smoker the, there might be some kids your kids doing things and bits and pieces there's always some, some area yeah. for, I mean, for distraction yeah. <laughs> yeah I was going to say exactly that I think if you look at the difference between comp cooking and home cooking you've got four people or more now mm. on high alert looking at those proteins mm. right so they will recognize that window a lot quicker so hot and fast is definitely you know what I guess the preferred method in comp at the moment at home it's just you the kids are running around you know um, yeah. your attention mm. can stray so yeah 100% agree with you Adam you know like if, unless you're able to baby that brisket and I mean baby it you know mm. um, you know definitely cook at lower temps I think if you want to Hot and fast is a a skill in itself as well. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I I say to people, you know, like, just wait till you've cooked a few before you go down that road, you know. um, It's definitely doable, but you kind of need to know. You need to know the visual cues with hot and fast as well as the feel cues. Yeah, exactly. How it looks, you know, what the smoke's doing. So I I just don't think you can do that when you first start out, so... Yeah, yeah. What temp are they cooking at in the restaurants mostly? Is Is it hotter? Um, no, two seventy five, three hundred. Yeah, that's uh, our sweet spot. Um, where we at and stuff like that. I mean, you know, um, there's times that you know shit hits a fan and you need to do a bit of hot and fast, and yeah, we'll, we'll get it done. And yeah. it's difficult. I guess it's difficult in the commercial kitchens to to, to kind of catch up. You have to really see that you're going to be in trouble a lot earlier. Yeah, it's even hot and fast. You're but still it, talking it, four or five But there hours. is it is a bit of a trick. You know, it, is, it does get tricky if you're doing hot and fast because then if you've got one pit, right, and you got four doors, but you got other proteins going as well. You know, it's um, it gets it gets challenging and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like Noah was saying that you know that you know that you got to know what you're doing and stuff like that. So yeah. So I think one of the other things that uh, you know you'll see people talking about a lot when it comes to this is wood pairings. And, uh, mm. You know how to how to pair the smoke flavors with briskets, and there's lots and lots of different opinions on which woods can and can't be used, or how much, and all that kind of stuff. Like where. Where do you guys sit on on what's your favourite wood pairing for for brisket? Um, 
I look at like <clears throat> for wood, like especially brisket and stuff. Um, something quite neutral. Um, we we use a lot of oak. It's um, you know it's one of those neutral woods that are it's quite subtle and stuff like that. It's good for all proteins and stuff like that. Um, Purukau is another another mm. another good um, bit of wood. But I I do see in a lot of the discussions on um, the New Zealand Barbecue Alliance page. Uh, um, with kanuka and stuff like that, which there's nothing wrong with kanuka and stuff like that. It's you know, it's, as long as it's well seasoned and 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 if you know how to use it well, it's not good for long cooks and stuff. But I would say, if you're gonna if 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 you want to do hot and fast, and usually hot and fast about four hours or something like that, I'd use something strong like kanuka because it gives it a, mm. like kanuka kanuka a media punch. Because yeah. then after that you wrap it. Mm. And then, because if you do hot and fast with the likes of oak and stuff, you don't really get mm. it. Mm. Ends up being like roast beef or something like mm. that. Yeah. So, yeah. We've but always, if, we've always treated our wood as it's our salt and pepper. Absolutely. Um, for yeah. our, for yeah. our proteins. Yeah. And, and it's your spice. It's, your, yeah. it's the thing you're going to change yeah. to, like you're adding yeah. salt or mushroom powder, yeah. for instance. It's the same thing with wood. Yeah. Um, we use oak as well because mm. uh, we find it very, very mm. neutral. And we can add to it, so we'll add a stick mm. of mutakawa yeah. uh, at the start of our smoke with mm. with our oak because um, we like the we yeah. like the flavour, we like the sweetness of it. Yeah. Um, we used some peach recently, which we really really like. Mm. So, so good. Yeah, peach is beautiful, mm. hard to yeah. eat sometimes, but really really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I f- yeah I feel like yeah like you're saying you know um, what is you know your seasoning, mm. and I feel that's you know that's your background seasoning. You know you have your your meat, then you have your rub. And then you'll touch a smoke. Yeah, that's absolutely. those are my sort of mm. flavor profiles. You know, you, you've got to try and taste the meat, and in comes the seasoning, and that they have the smoke that comes yeah. from yeah. it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've been playing around with lots of different woods and combining different mm. woods just recently. You know, but typically for beef, it would be oak, and I'd probably throw in a bit of cherry as well for a bit of sweetness. Um, Cherry seems to give a really good smoke ring as well. Mm, so yeah, I, I don't know if you guys have found the same, but yeah, it just yeah, accelerates the, mm. the smoke ring formation. So mm. yeah, I, I tend to use sort of oak and cherry with beef. Um, I just recently got some peach actually, um, which is incredible. So I think particularly on white meats, pork and um, yeah. pork and chicken. chicken. You know, I, I yeah, also love it. On, yeah, yeah, I love it. Love it on chicken. Mm. So. Fantastic. Yeah, I think. Look, mate. There's no rules to be honest. I think a lot of people like very subtle smoke. You know, mm. and you know, if you think about catering for your family, there'll be some in there that like really subtle smoke, and there'll be some that like the real astringent. You know, Crunchy. we want to know Crunchy that style. it's smoked yeah. meat. You know, yeah. so yeah. my advice is, if you're cooking for yourself, use what you like the flavour of. If you're cooking for a group, stick to fruit woods, nice and subtle. You know, mm. and you won't offend anyone. So mm. even even you will enjoy it, but everyone will enjoy it. So mm. I think there was a, there was a great little tip which I'm going to take out of this. Um, if you're going to use something for flavour, we pop it in at the beginning mm-hmm. and then migrate down to something. Because after a certain amount of time, that meat's not going to take any, on any more flavour. Mm. It's yeah. just hitting heat. So mm. once you get to heat, you don't want to be putting in your fancy woods and your... Mm. Like, I mean, yeah, you take it off and put it in the oven, right? If, you, mm. if you're if you not in competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Once you've wrapped it, you know, you there's, there's yeah. no difference. Um, so look, on to another quite um, controversial topic spritzes any point what's the point of the spritz should you bother with flavor is it just for yeah. 
you, know, you get people who, and I've I've done it, mixed up mm, all sorts mm. of concoctions for spritzes. Mm. I've kind of moved away from them. But yeah. what are you guys I'm, using? I'm, I'm just on water. Um, yeah. Smoke attaches to to moisture, so Absolutely. that's the reason I use it, mm. um, and it's the only reason we use it. We used to mm. come up with all sorts of concoctions mm. for pork. Sometimes we find we do use some concoctions, mm. but for brisket, just water. Yeah, so I mean, I've dabbled with like different concoctions and stuff, and it's like, eh, yeah, I'm sick to water now, but only only spritz. When I spritz, I only spritz, you know, dry bits of, of mm-hmm. you know brisket, yeah, because um, you want to really develop that uh, that bark and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm I'm a water guy, so it's free. So you do <laughs> see you see some guy, some people out there just like what's this like a shower going on in the, in the thing, and they yeah. have a soaking wet brisket <clears throat> the whole time. So that's not mm-hmm. what you want, is it? No, we've talked we've talked about this in previous episodes. I'm definitely all about water, um, and exactly like ants. Um, spray the dry bits protect those you know if you see a pool of water on your flat you don't Mm. need to hit that with more spritz (laughs) it's okay in fact maybe even lift the middle of it and get that off off, because that's actually going to be you know stopping your bark forming so the spritz is really just to protect the bits that are getting drier than the other areas while your bark is forming so just spritz and think moist not soaking Mm. wet so Mm -hmm. just moisture you know yeah don't waste your beer on it don't waste your beer I've wasted beer on Although, I will say one thing. You can spritz ribs. I think I've said this in a previous episode with Coca-Cola. Yeah. And that's probably mm. the only thing that will sort of caramelize and candy up. Mm. But everything else just renders off, right? There's no sugar. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. Not, no point in using Jack. I see people using Jack Daniels and shit, and that's just ridiculous. I've so. actually used raspberry cordial 50-50 of water on the ribs. <laughs> And comes out nice, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, is nice. That's a great out. idea. Unless <laughs> it comes out really, really nice. Pretty good flavour, too, eh? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Well, 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 this, isn't well. rib, this isn't the ribs around the table, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you can do it on brisket as well, if you want. Like. Oh, I'm not sure brisket. about that and what about when we get to the wrap stage? So there's lots of different types we can do that. We can wrap it, we can boat it, we can put it in a tray and put four tent it and with some some liquid what are the pros and cons like now what, what are the why would we do either of those versus the other um the simple answer to this is there's no right or wrong so mm-hmm. it depends on what texture of meat that you like so for me when you wrap with peach paper the meat's still breathing you end up with a lot firmer mm. texture and you end up with no mm. jus because the paper absorbs it so that's the first thing mm-hmm. i like the jus um mm. So typically in my household, if I'm cooking a brisket, it either goes into a tray or it gets fully wrapped with foil. Um, and that really is is the meat braising for the back end of the cook, essentially. You know, So you get your smoke on it, um, your heat, and then you sort of wrap it up and then it's sort of braising in its own juices. Mm. Um, that's particularly good for lean flats, you know, so you're keeping the moisture inside the package, as Ant you know, mm. just said earlier, you know, so... Mate, the reality of it is there's no right or wrong. Um, me and Ants went through the sort of boating phase there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do that from time to time. Mm. If I've got a really highly marbled, you know, decent brisket, I'll mm. boat it and leave the top open and let that bark keep forming into the mm. end of the cook. So I think it's down to what the brisket looks like, the quality of the brisket, and also what texture you like or prefer mm. as to mm. how you wrap and what you wrap with. Ants, are they, are they wrapping? Do you guys wrap in the commercial world? 
Um, no, we, I, we actually boat, um, where we at and stuff like that. Um, like Noel was saying, it just comes down to personal preference and what you want to actually serve to your customers, um, of what, um, but I, I've always loved a, a nice crispy exterior and mm. nice creamy inside. So, um, yeah, I, I, I stick to boating, um, mm. depending on what sort of, uh, brisket you're using, but we, we use a lot of ocean and Wakanoi and, and it works well boating, um, um, grass fed and stuff like that. Mm. I'd, I'd probably fully wrap it. And did you like put that. a little bit of uh, liquid in there when you're boating, or is it just literally the no, not at the all foil to keep a bit of extra not heat around the? So yeah, you're, you're basically it's just the juices that run off the the meat, and it's almost like shallow braising, and that it's um, not compromising your bark whatsoever. Mm. You mm. just carry on forming that crispy mm. bark which i like i like i like a, a good crispy um mm. exterior and then mm. yep. nice and uh buttery uh, inside so yep. yeah and what about in competition adam what are you guys are you guys rappers boaters uh, we're, we we're wrapping our briskets in comp at the moment um we haven't found a way to hold on to that bark as as much as we'd like to we use a little bit of butcher's paper over the top of the bark to try and protect it then we wrap it with the foil um and that does work somewhat. Um, the cooked brisket I cooked on Sunday was was boated um, because I like that crunchy exterior, mm. soft inside. Mm. That's what I really really like. Mm. Comp is different. You, you've got to try and get it as tender as you can, mm. and um, part of that is unfortunately you do end up ruining a bit of your bark. Yeah. You mm. can try and bring it back later on in the cook. We've found uh, we've been playing with that um, by unwrapping it, putting it back in the smoker. Um, in a tray still with a bit of liquid reset and reset yeah. it that's mm. working um, so we're playing with that at the moment it's there is no right way I think with brisket um, comp is it's all about the tenderness is the number one score so you've got mm. to get it tender and then the rest of it with your presentation and taste etc so um, we're having to wrap them uh, at the end of the day because mm. you don't want to kind of slice into it and have such a crunchy butt that a bit will come off and mm. an uneven slice. Tell me yeah. 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 You don't want to pull it as well. <laughs> I mean, the, the one thing I will say if you're going to fully wrap at home, um, letting the bark set is super important, right? So if you scratch the surface of the meat and it holds, it actually is stuck on the meat then it's time to wrap mm. but it has to be like that over the whole brisket so if you've got a point that's still a bit mushy and your flat is there keep the flat moist with spritzing and wait till the bark forms on the point before you actually wrap and then you've got half a chance of preserving your bark yeah now that kind of leads on something right because i think what a lot of us get when we're starting out especially is we've watched x amount of youtube videos and we've read 15 different methods mm. and we've probably read a lot of stuff out of the states and there was a whole school for a long time there that you wrap it at 165 internal temperature and then you pull it off at 198 or 203 depending on who you'd read mm. and you know you you would do that and you'll learn very quickly that that's not kind of the ideal and you talk and i know you talk a lot in lots of places about wrapping when you're happy with the bark correct not the temperature yeah. so mm -hmm. You know, when do we know either for wrapping? I think we just probably explained it. But the wrapping, and when when do, when do you guys go? This is done. This mm. is done. And what are you using as guides to get there? You know, where's that balance between temperature, time, and feel for you? 
<laughs> I think um, we're lucky enough that with the Barbecue Alliance page, we've got Noel um, giving a lot of really great advice to people. So mm-hmm. when you see those posts where people go, I've nailed my first brisket, it's, mm-hmm. it's because they've probably read Noel's post. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, we, and when we started out, like Alex mm. said, we were on YouTube a lot trying to figure out what the Americans were doing because they were the source of information four or five years ago. And and you you did cook it to two oh three in the end and that was done. Mm-hmm. You put it in the chili bin for two hours. It mm-hmm. was meant to, meant to be fantastic, mm-hmm. and and sometimes it was, and other times it wasn't. Um, feel wise now, um, we started off using the probes like everybody. That we we had a fireboard that we would plug into our brisket and we'd have one on the point and one on the flat and da da da. And uh, comp days we still do that mm-hmm. at home. I don't bother. It's mm. it's use the probe, look at it, see what it's feeling like, pick mm. it up, lift it up. Lift it up from mm. the centre of the brisket, Absolutely. and yeah, it'll feel mm. it'll feel like it's giving way, mm. and and that's a really good indication mm. that it's done. Oh. Follow it up with the with a pen in the in the point and and, and sorry in the flat and, and feel it out, see how mm. it's feeling if it's feeling like it's giving way, mm. if it feels oh. like that, yeah. that room temperature battle mm. they talk about, then then pull it out. Mm. Um, that's what we still do at home, mm. um, and we haven't mucked one up at home for a, a wee mm-hmm. while, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, and comp ones we still muck up because mm-hmm. you're cooking you're cooking to a window and mm. it's a small window when you're talking about cooking something for eight mm. or nine or ten hours mm. and you're told to put it in in ten minutes, mm. it's tricky. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're, like, you're like me, it's, um I don't use any special gadgets or whatever or probes or whatever. Um, I yeah I I pretty much just pick it up. I feel around with it and stuff like that visually. Uh, yeah, if it looks good and it needs to, to wrap, then I'll wrap it. Um, mm. But yeah, for me, it's feel. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd get an old toothpick if I wanted to feel what the... I always check the flat. I never mm. check the, the point. Just where and um, how much resistance it has and stuff mm. like that. Then I know where I'm at. <clears throat> yeah. And also, when you pick up a bristle, you can, you can kind of tell when it starts separating the two muscles and stuff. Like, you're almost nearly there and stuff like that so mm-hmm. yeah for me it's it's more feel than anything yeah. and, and, and visually so yeah so the story around the 203F um, on the American page I don't know if you know how they arrived at that being the done temperature no. but essentially what they did was they took the done temperature of multiple briskets and then took an average and said on average a brisket will be ready at 203 mm-hmm. right? yeah. and that's where it all goes to shit because we were all reading that and going 203, 203. Mm-hmm. So a couple of other things, um, moisture content, fat content, a lot higher in the American products than what we get. So mm-hmm. we didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. So we were cooking to, you know, what an American product would cook like, mm-hmm. or yeah. what a New Zealand product would cook like. So my advice when starting out, definitely use a temperature probe because it gives you a frame of reference. So generally mm-hmm. I say to people, start probing at 200F and it will be tight. 100% will be tight mm. but it gives you a frame of reference where you mm. can go actually that might be another two hours mm. so I'll check it again mm. right so get your frame of reference at 200F um, mm. and then from there it's all about visual and feel right mm. so mm. probe it make sure mm. it probes like butter some people will go oh it's probing really well in the point the point is always softer first the mm. flat is the one that actually takes a bit longer, mm. yep. you know, and if it's still probing hard, even if, even if it's a 10 centimeter disc that's probing hard on the flat, mm. keep cooking until the whole thing probes like butter. Absolutely. I don't know if you agree with that. But, yeah, I agree. You know, totally just agree. keep keep cooking until the whole thing. And, it, and it's mm. quite scary because you think, mm. well, it's all probing, you know, 90% of this is probing. So should I take it off and hopefully that bit will rest mm. out? Yeah. The answer is it never will. 
So just keep cooking until the whole thing probes like butter. The other thing, um, if you have a look at some of the sort of Netflix documentaries, you'll see some of those guys pick the whole brisket up and actually, you know, create a wave with it. Mm. And and that will tell you a lot as well in terms of how it folds. It's a bit like when you pick your ribs up in the middle and you're looking for that fold and you're looking for that splintering on the sort of, mm. you know, the apex mm. there. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's a very similar thing, you know, pick it up. Is it floppy? Is it giving, mm. you know? And mm. yeah, a lot try to hone in the feel is what I would say mm. yeah, I think when you've got that temperature probe running and, and you've you've got to your 203, 4, 5, 6, 7 wherever you feel it's going to be mm. done then lift it up and go how is it feeling now that I know mm. that it's actually cooked so that yep. next time you go and do mm. it you know that it's going to feel something like something like that because we don't cook a lot of brisket at home generally some of these guys might only cook 2 or 3 briskets a year mm. um, it's hard to actually find a reference I think when you're mm. only cooking it so few mm. times um, I think that's the hard part too with brisket, mm-hmm. and they are so different. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they are. Now, uh, if we look at once it's cooked, so we've got it cooked, we're pretty happy with it. Resting. <laughs> that's another three-hour argument on resting. <laughs> how long you should rest it? How you should rest it? Mm. Should you vent mm. it? Should you not? Should you put it in a wrap it up? Where Where are we on resting? And the need for resting and how long should we be resting? I think it's absolutely essential to rest all meat, to be honest. Um, well, not all meat. I mean, you wouldn't rest ribs too much. And shorties, I don't think, need too much of a rest. Cheeks don't really need too much of a rest. But big proteins, you know, the pork yeah. butts, the briskets, I mm-hmm. think they do need a rest. And mm-hmm. I think there's two issues there. One is how much time have you got before people get hungry? Mm. you know um personally i'd make them wait an hour if it's just coming off at dinner time and you're like shit you know i'd make them wait an hour because the actual final product will be worth the wait if you pull it there and then it will be too hot you'll lose all the moisture um Mm. it just evaporates when you pull it because it's so hot Mm. um so essential to rest um you know franklin does an hour i think not in an esky uh, in a chili bin sorry Mm. um I tend to do two hours in a chili bin, but I do vent it, you know, so I'll open the foil if I've got it fully wrapped, let all the steam and the heat out for about 15 minutes, mm-hmm. wrap it up again and then put it in a chili bin with a couple of towels on top of it. Mm. Um, I guess the other technique, um, I think someone alluded to this in the questions, but, you know, if you're ready four hours early, what do you do? Um, in those situations, typically I've boiled a kettle and just before it starts to bubble furiously, I take it off. And that's usually about 80 degrees. I'll fill up a water, a hot water bottle and I'll put that off to the side and I'll put the brisket on the opposite side. And that typically, I've held a brisket like that for eight hours. So if you really come unstuck and you're ready well early, you can actually hold it. And it's a bit like the sham that um, mm. Ant was talking about in a restaurant situation. They're electric mm. shams that hold a temperature so you can hold them at that temp. Mm. But at home, you know, that's a sort of manual version of a sham. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah. So how long are you holding in the restaurants? Like when 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 those are cooked because you'll cook those during the night, won't you? Before or or during, you know, the run up to service. Oh yeah, it's normally run up to service. Um, so we yeah we we do uh, we do after after got to a point where it's uh, cooked, we do vent them. Um, um, like Noel was saying, ten to fifteen minutes. But the beauty of doing commercial when you have a sham, you you, you can put a holding heat so you can rest them till till eight hours mm. after if you mm. if, if need be so mm. yeah 
That's that's great thing about <laughs> Andy Sham. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to be wrapping everything up and putting mm. them in eskies or chilies. Shams are great because you can also bring things up to temp in them as well. Yeah. You know, so Absolutely. you can pre-cook if you've got a big function or whatever. Or you know, yeah. it's going to be a particularly mm. hectic day. Mm. Um, yeah. You can bring things up as well. So, yeah. but they cost seven grand, so they're not <laughs> or yeah. more actually. Your yeah. ones are more, aren't they? So. Yeah, but more than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little, I know a little one. I, I actually looked into them, and it's just yeah, it's not viable for home. But you know, they're pretty awesome bits of kit. But I think mm. I think the main thing that I'm hearing here is just don't panic about if you have to hold it for a certain amount of time. Absolutely it's not. not. No, hold. You can hold for yeah. hours. You can. It's such a big muscle that mm. you know it will hold heat. You know, regardless if you're doing it in a sham or you're wrapping it and putting it into into um chili bin oh, they man, i've held a brisket and chili bin eight to ten hours yeah comes out great mm. so yeah I'd, I'd, you know my advice don't panic now mm. it's, yeah. it's all good. Our brisket on sunday ran late we, mm. we didn't finish cooking till 10 at night um because <laughs> i didn't get out of bed till a bit late that day mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big night the night before um ants would have been cooking out 400 <laughs> <mate>. <laughs> <laughs> And I was sitting out on the deck with a beer in my hand and cruising along at sort of 2.50, 2.75 and it took a lot longer than I thought mm. and, and it, that ended up being Monday's breakfast but um, I we held that in the chilli bin with a uh, hot water bottle mm-hmm. for eight hours. Yeah, until uh, the morning. The morning. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. Got up yeah. and then sliced it up and yeah. then it was awesome mm. <laughs> on a white bread sandwich. Because yeah. <laughs> it's rested, it's rested oh, so yeah, long, yeah. Oh, so, it's good. Just, yeah. so good. Yeah. The longer they rest it, man, yeah, yeah. that protein is just... Yeah, really mm. good. Yeah, I agree. I think that mm. when you hold them, they do come out incredibly well. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. you know that might be something that you try. Try a long yeah. rest. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think that has been one of the most interesting discussions that we've done. Definitely. Um, it that's been awesome, and I hope everybody out there's really enjoyed it because I'm kind of ready to go home right now and cook a brisket. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might. <laughs> And, yeah, for anybody who wants to know what time it is here for us in real time, it's got nine o'clock in the evening. So that's two of us who could be up till about six tomorrow morning cooking briskets. So thank you very much, guys, for joining us for that. But I think it'd be rude of us not to, to while we've got these these gentlemen here, to put them through their paces with the um, with the Fire Dragon Chilies, Dragon's Fury, uh, which is um, <coughs> apparently... Well, let's see. It's a gold medal in the ultra hot section <laughs> of uh, ultra these awards, and it was yeah the ultra <clears throat> hot champion of 2015 in the world hot sauce awards. What's the heat rating on sure. it? Just it doesn't have a heat rating on here. It just oh, says insane heat. Ten billion Scoville. <laughs> ten <laughs> plus plus plus. They ten don't plus plus plus. They That's don't put the Scoville thing on there, but it does have uh, it does have some scorpions in it, which we. Uh, enjoyed a few episodes ago and which are rated between one and a half and two million and the reaper is the main thing in here which is between i think 1.6 and 3 million scovilles so it's pretty hot and i think um a little mention we've been joined for this section by leon hasplodakis who is starting well he's going to be making his name in the barbecue world soon obviously with his jeans that's been handed is it, down. He's in the um, but, smoke on the coast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're oh, in the smoke cool. on the coast um, oh, kids' awesome. Q competition. So, There's and apparently there. Leon is a little bit of a demon with the chili. So, <laughs> I'm expecting all of us to be shown up <laughs> by uh, Leon, who's just started high school. So, yeah, no, no pressure, fellas. But um, cheers. Look, yes, cheers. Say cheers. 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 Cheers.
Tasty though. Mm. It's the the needles in the tongue that hit you yeah, first. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And here it comes. And it will build. And I'm going to try it this time. I've already got a mouthful of saliva. You're getting hot already. I'm going to oh. avoid. I'm going to avoid the beer because every time I do this, I take the beer way too early mm, and just it escalates. <laughs> it ruins me. But it's starting to ruin me. Ah. Right. Already. Okay. And it's Franklin. <laughs> What's your favourite type of barbecue to cook on and why? Um, would be a stick burner. It's just what I've always known and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it would, would have to be the an offset for me. Yeah. Adam? Um, I'm a Kamado guy. I, um, I'm a little bit lazy and, and I get easily distracted. So... Um, I, I like the easiness of the Kamado. Are you getting distracted by that chili yet? In your <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of water in my eyes, and I'm, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> it's just, chasing. I just sweat immediately. Eh? I yeah. have it. It's just you get hot. Mm. It's right, so Adam, what's your favourite cut of meat to cook and eat, and why? Um, I'm a beef short rib guy. I love short rib. Um, I think it's um, it's easy to cook. It's um, it has a lot of uses afterwards for leftovers. We use it on quesadillas, we tacos, um, sliced with some jim jury. Um, I suppose equally with brisket, it's it's one of my favourites. Mm. Yeah, I like the beefiness. Yeah, I love shorties. Mm. Ants. Yeah, besides brisket, I like um, I like a good um, tri-tip or uh, a skirt steak, um, something hot and fast, and you know, ready mm. to eat straight away. So tacos. Mm. Love tacos. Yeah, yep. it's mm. great. Yeah, nice. Now I just want to draw before we go on to the next. Uh, oh my god, the next question. I want to draw attention to Leon, who's stoically, absolutely no response. <laughs> it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> oh, it's not too bad. Actually. I have a I have a mouth full of saliva right now. Okay, Adam, hmm. what's your biggest fail barbecue fail to date? Um. I was um, roasting a chicken at home on the Kamado actually, and I accidentally left some heavy smoke wood in the charcoal and I stirred it around and relit it. uh, Accidentally smoked my chicken, and my son said to me, Dad, that is the most disgusting piece of meat I've ever, ever had that you've cooked. He said he wouldn't eat it. It was disgusting. It was awful. So there you go. It was rotten. The humble chick, eh? Oh, you got me. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, what about you? I'm going about. I'm about to make a fail because look. Oh. Uh, fail today. Um, <clears throat> oh, that was a fail. I actually, I actually haven't any fails today, to be honest. And like in the past, I have a lot of fails of cooks and stuff like that. Like I said uh, previously, with brisket and stuff like that, learning how to do them, and then you know, make them end up being like. You know, tasting like freaking gumboots and stuff like that. But so the first brisket was a gumboot, was it? Absolutely, not not just that one, but the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth after that. So yeah, yeah. so yeah, I mean, each one yeah. was a lesson, though. Absolutely, yeah. you know, trial and error and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. but you learn from it and stuff. It's like quite that. frustrating. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So um, 
Definitely can't be a three-hour argument, but fat side up or fat side down for brisket? I'm um, fat side down. Yeah. I think it just depends on the the, the barbecue you're doing. Oh, well, I mean, what barbecue you're using. Um, but offset, um, fat side up. Yep. Um, something so heat like, coming from the side. Fat yep, side up. Yep. yep. Um, like so, pro Q or or a pit barrel or something like that. Um, yeah, fat side down. Yeah, and yeah. then yeah. So heat face it to the heat source basically. Yeah, yeah, is the, yeah. Is the yeah. thing there. Yeah. 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 Now I know, I know we're we're trying to do this fast, but I actually think there's a good opportunity here. We've got Leon here, so I'm going to jump back one question, Leon, and I'm going to ask you, what's your dad's biggest fail on the barbecue that he's made you eat? There hasn't really been one. He doesn't. He, he always. Oh. Come on, tell the oh. Tell the truth. This is the opportunity to dish the dirt, and yeah. you're not taking it. Just make something up. Mm. <laughs> he always tries it before he serves it. So yeah. Yeah. If he doesn't like it, he won't serve it to yes. us. Good so. on him. Oh, well, I go. will. I failed in digging some dirt on, <laughs> on barbecue Jesus. Um, and. I'm hoping this is going to be good. You've been a chef for a long time. Are you right? <laughs> no. <I'm not. laughs> Strangest thing you've ever eaten? Strangest thing I've eaten? Food. Food wise? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, this is a family show, man. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, strangest thing I've eaten would be. Um, Frogs, not the legs, but actually the actual, uh, frog. Oh, actual frog. Yeah, mm. um, it was. Were they cooked? Yeah, they were. They were. They were coated in in, in, in breadcrumbs <coughs> and then deep fried. But yeah, it's strangest thing. Would you eat them again? Uh, no, I don't think I would. <laughs> <laughs> not by choice. No. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you? Uh, the strangest thing when you read oh, oh, beef tendons. Um, Ah, oh, yes. yeah, the Chinese do those a lot. Eh? Yeah, a good yeah. Chinese friend of mine often invites me up for lunch. And um, I went to this place and he said, I'll order for you. I said, yeah, great, because I couldn't read the menu. And we had these beef tendons. And I at first sort of freaked out of it going, well, I'm not eating that. That's disgusting. But they were actually really good. Yeah. That was delicious. But yeah, if you read it on a menu, no. The, not, textual, not like, yeah. the textual eating experience in Asia is completely different to what we're used to. Eh? They like the cartilage. Oh, they yeah. like the crunchy... Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. stomach. But definitely try it, you know, if it's put in front of you, mm -hmm. definitely, it's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so, Adam, what's the mm. best barbecue that's not yours that you've ever eaten? Uh, that'd be from Ants, actually. Uh, oh, in all seriousness, on. when we went from Fireworks, um, I think it also started the barbecue journey for a lot of us, too, um, yeah. of tasting really good, really good food. Mm. Um, I got into barbecue somewhat because of Miss Moonshine's restaurant years ago, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, I went there for dinner. Did you do the masterclass? Or? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. Several times, actually. Yeah. Um, and, and had a really good time there with Ryan at the time. Uh, we lent him a green egg and, and we did some cooking up there with him. And I really got <coughs> bitten by the bug mm. of the cook. And uh, How's that chilli going for you, man? It's going good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got some heat. It has yeah. some heat, doesn't it? But no, Ants' brisket, I think, was some of the best brisket I've ever had. Yeah. Mm. No, I'd agree with that. I think, um, 
Yeah, I, I was cooking briskets and thought I was doing a pretty good job until I went to fireworks and I met Ants for the first time. <laughs> and then, you know, I realised with brisket, you've got to taste the good ones and know what the bad ones like, you know, because <laughs> otherwise you think you're cooking great briskets. So, yeah, no, Ants, definitely, um, that was the first great brisket that I tried. Yeah. What about you, mate? What's the best um, barbecue you've eaten that's not yours? Um, it's... Um... Probably has to be Michael Jeffries from Big Smoke Barbecue. Yeah, yeah that's a good call. Um, he is, in my eyes, he's he's probably the, the godfather of barbecue. He's been around for some time. Um, all around um, humble fire, genuine, and, you know, have um, <clears throat> all the time in the world for him. He's got some uh, good stories. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. So this should this should be quite interesting from you, from you guys. Um, who did you learn from, most from? Starting out, Ants, let's stay with you. Um, for me, it was more of, I guess, I guess you know, cooking over like fuel and stuff like that. You know, in the island culture, you know, you learn a lot. Um, you know, um, uh, cooking over fire and 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 uh, river stones and stuff like that, which we call um, the umu and stuff like that. Coming into barbecue and stuff like that, um, it was a lot of self-taught, a lot of research and stuff like that. And then, and then I had the privilege of meeting the likes of people like um, uh, Michael Jeffries out there, um, Hillbilly Wes, who was uh, bovine and swine, who's been uh, quite an influence to me as well. So, yeah, time, mm-hmm. so, yeah. awesome, Adam. Who, who? What about you? Who? Who were your real influences? Um, I think Ryan from Miss Moonshine's early on, he um, he taught me to care about the protein. Um, an animal's died for you, uh, look after mm. it. Uh, that's the one thing he did teach me. Um, mm. And I think that's really, really important uh, mm. to, to look after the protein mm. um, and do your best with it, care for it. Um, fire management, um, we, we learnt on Komodo, so it was reasonably straightforward. And then when we moved to an offset, it was a whole new game. Um, and I watched Aaron Franklin's masterclass actually yeah, on, so on, good, huh? on fire management, and I think mm. that's when we learnt how to manage our fire better um, mm. than ever because we weren't doing it very well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Yep. So a bit of both. Cool. Um, well, we touched on this, but low, low and slow or hot and fast for you, Adam? Um, <clears throat> low and slow at home. Mm. Uh, to be fair, uh, hot and fast at comps. Yep. Um, bit of buffet, depending on what protein. Um, obviously brisket, low and slow, and then good steaks, hot and fast. So yeah, mm. I like a bit of both. Mm. Both, both have their place, eh? Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. <clears throat> now, this is the one where I'm going to put two criteria in here. One, you can't say no and make his head any bigger <clears throat> than it than it already is. <laughs> Stop being and, <laughs> and two. Leon agrees. <laughs> so he actually physically <laughs> thinks my head's big. You know? <laughs> and two, I'm going to get you to keep it to one person. I know people like to mention lots of people, okay. but one yeah. person. Yeah. So for both of you, who is the biggest legend in New Zealand barbecue? Ooh. That's a hard question, eh? That's actually a really hard question. Um, and it, it, it brings you back to Mike Jeffries a wee bit. He's... He's probably the most successful and been around the longest and mm. still doing a fantastic job. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Totally agree. Mm. Mm. Most most people that are in the pitmaster page now would probably have still been cooking on gas for eight years. Yeah, mm -hmm. but, you know, he 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 was literally the OG in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. I think he imported yeah. the first bit from America, and yeah. you know, and he's always there for you. If you call mm. him up or message yeah. him, he always mm -hmm. asks questions. You know, he's been great. I agree. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Very hard one, but um. This person's not a bona fide pit master or whatever, but um, <clears throat> mine has to be uh, Mark Hatch from Country mm. Woods. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I just feel that he's played a, a, a part in, in my journey um, as um, you know a fellow barbecue and stuff like that. Um, he's he's given me a lot of knowledge when it comes to firewood, uh, when it comes to charcoal. I mean, without his knowledge, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't know about fire management, um, heat management, and stuff like. That. And those are the sort of skills that you need to learn before you move on to, you know. Mm -hmm. So with his knowledge and stuff like that, um, yeah, big ups to him, man. And you know, he's down to earth. He's, um, you know, he'll he'll do a lot for people and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And you know, he'll go his way, you know, to try and accommodate to he's, people. Uh, he he is genuinely one of the nicest people. Absolutely, that man. Meet. Absolutely. Um, to the point where I don't have to see him as much as I used to because I got we got mm. rid of our offsets. But um, when you do when I you, you go down there and you say to people we're going to go get some wood, mm. but I'm a, I'm allotting two hours to go pick this wood up <laughs> <laughs> because Mark likes to chat. Absolutely. And you know that what yeah. should what could be a ten minute quick yeah. flick in with anybody else. Oh, give mm. me that, give me that, give me that. Right, I'll pay you and go. Mm. Yeah. Just turns into two hours and you mm. never leave. You you always leave with more than you came in with, and so, and a lot of the yeah, time yeah. you're only paying for what you came in for. Yeah. Mm. And he is super generous. Mm. He's always got something for mm. you to try. Always a sample yeah. bag. Yeah, he loves Absolutely. he yeah. loves to talk wood and barbecue, yeah. Yeah. and he loves to interact with you. Yeah. And he's a great great guy. I've yeah. known him for some yeah. time, and he's you know you know it's privileged to get given you know all these types of wood and stuff like that from him, which is mm. yeah. So yeah. I think. You know, he, he was instrumental in me starting out in barbecue, that's for sure. That first conversation with him about aromatics in wood and what they do and what have you. But, um, mm. yeah, I think, mate, that's a great call, to mm. be honest, because, mm. you know, Mark's wood is behind some of the mm. greatest restaurants that we all enjoy eating in as well. Mm. You know, if there's mm. a yeah. if there's a wood-fired um, oven or if there's a, you know, a, a direct um, grill, mm. you know, it's usually yep. Mark's product that's sitting under it. So, um yep. Yeah, 100% agree. Mark, if you're listening, mate, mm. legend. Too true. And we should have him on mm. soon as well. We should have him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last one. We're at the end. So, top tip for a newbie barbecue, maybe newbie comp barbecue, Adam, what would you say to a newbie comp? Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, yeah. All mm. the teams are really keen to help new teams mm. come on board, to be honest. We've all mm. been there. Um, we have all been there, <laughs> and it's not easy, and oh. it's intimidating. Um, Some of us are still there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very intimidating, and if there's anyone out there that wants any help, we're happy to help anybody mm. get started, mm. um, whether it's a, 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 a list of gear you need, um, you, which you, you need to have, mm. bits and pieces, that's the first thing. If there's a bit of a plan leading into a comp, um, we're happy to provide anything like mm. that. It's it's not easy. It's, it's and it's yeah. it was easier when we started because we all started at the same time and we were all <laughs> amateurs when we first started mm. in the comp thing. 
and then now it's more intimidating. I think mm-hmm. you know there's some big established teams out there now, and they've been around for a few years. So I think mm-hmm. it is more intimidating. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're keen to help anybody. So mm-hmm. um, we're, yeah, we're we're easy to get hold of. So mm-hmm. yeah, happy to help. I guess adding to that eh, is I think the, the the main thing is when you've got a plan stick to it don't divert from it which mm. I've learned back in the days so like you go over to other teams and they go oh they're doing this doing that and then you stray away from your actual <laughs> plan and then the other the other goes well or it doesn't go well so yeah. oh think, we've got this new sauce we're going to try this new sauce yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that what about what mm. about for a home you know we, mm. we've talked a lot about brisket you know first brisket you know home a home cook you know, what, what would you say to them just starting out, you know, just starting the barbecue journey? I think um, make sure you've got your pit dialed and you know what it's doing. Um, when mm. we have people often ask, well, we're going to do our first brisket and I've got a rugby game on Saturday and I'm cooking for 10 people, what do you mm. think? And, and you sort of say to them, look, why don't you do a short rib? Um, or, or a pork <laughs> puck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because um, if you're relying yeah. on your brisket for your 10 mates turning up and it's your first mm. one you're cooking, it's probably going to go mm. pear-shaped. Yeah. Um, mm. So, um, Or two th- hours late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, look, a, a short rib nowadays is eight or nine hours. It's pretty consistent in mm. that time, um, and you know it's going to be done in that time. Mm. Uh, but it, it lets you dial your pit in too. Mm. You know that's going to hold for mm. that eight or nine hours. Um, gives you good practice at, at fire mm. management and things like that. Hundred yeah. percent. Mm. What about you, Ants? I've, I've got to, I've got to agree with um, what um, Ads was saying. Um, yeah, I mean, people at home be, you know. Be patient um, and and have some fun, stuff like that. Mm. Um, it's barbecue. It's ready when mm. it's ready. Don't yeah. panic. Mm. I think is the other thing, isn't it? You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's mm. uh, takes time. Takes time to hone the skills and just don't panic. Stay yeah. calm. Yep, mm. I absolutely I think, agree. Mm. I think if we leave people with one thought, have fun. It's barbecue is mm. a great thought to leave people with. Mm. Let's not get too stressed. It's barbecue. We should be enjoying it. We should be enjoying eating it and we should be enjoying cooking it. And that's a brilliant mm. thought to leave people on. And yeah. I will again, well, firstly, God, I'm thankful that we made it through those 10 questions as, <laughs> as quickly as we did. <laughs> We've had some, some pain there and I'll probably get a bit of pain later on tonight or tomorrow morning, <laughs> I'd say, yeah. uh, which is fairly usual for us. Um, but look, a huge barbecue base thank you to Ange Franklin and Adam Winter for coming along tonight and um, for lending us so much of your knowledge and wisdom and insight and you know both you guys where can where can listeners find you let's uh, plug your channels like Adam where where do they need to come to find either your rubs and sources mm-hmm. or you know just connect with you online um, you can head to our website at thefoursourcemen.co.nz mm. or you can look us up on Facebook and Messenger uh, or Instagram mm. at the Four Sourcemen. Mm. So we're easy to find. Mm. And where can they, and your, your rubs, I mean, your rubs and sauce is now pretty well sold across the country, lots of outlets. I believe you're even, did you, are you in New World? Yes, yeah, yeah we're in New World now. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> yeah, congrats, Big awesome. time. Well, it's good to see supermarkets now setting up low and slow areas too. Mm. Um, there's some dedicated New Worlds that have got briskets and short ribs and, and proper ribs and bits and pieces. Mm. So it's nice that they're getting on board because there are areas in New Zealand that don't have a butchery and they'll have a new world so those mm. new worlds will have some swift or wichita type ribs and bits and pieces now mm. which they never used to so it's, mm. it's great to, to see it. yeah it's really mm. good to see new world has definitely led the way with mm. that stuff i think that that group you yes, know the, the food stuff's group has led the way with that stuff so it's good to see i think it's mm. also bringing barbecue to to the home cook a lot easier and better as well mm. um 
you know, some of our rubs uh, at, at different butcheries and bits and pieces are being sold for people who are just cooking steaks at home and some roast chickens. It's Absolutely. not all about, it doesn't have to be about brisket and low and slow, but uh, it's nice to, people are adding some flavours to other stuff. Yep. Yeah, it's I good. agree. It's good yeah. to see. That's where, where can people find you? Mate, I'm on Messenger, I'm, I'm on Instagram, or I'll be, you know, slinging briskets down at our Blue Ox Babe. So uh, if you're around in town and stuff and want to catch up and have a chat about whatever, man, barbecue, mm. hey, I'm there. Awesome. So what's mm. your Instagram handle? At Ants Franklin, is that at, right? Um, Ants Franklin BBQ. At yeah. Ants Franklin yeah. BBQ. So I would, I would definitely get along and follow, follow that one. You'll see some um, awesome <laughs> cooking awesome on food. that. <laughs> and maybe a few other bits and pieces as well <laughs> that, will, that will pop up there from every now and again. And look, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know. We'd love to um, get feedback and comments from you, either at the Barbecue Base Facebook page or um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts leave us a rating leave us a review um, hit the subscribe button hop over to Facebook give us a like and a follow on the page um, it really helps us out uh, in terms of just getting things up the ratings and spreading the good word about Barbecue Base and Barbecue New Zealand as a whole if you want to follow Noel it's at Meat Mafia Collective on Facebook Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and YouTube <laughs> How's how's how's, how's your dad's TikTok skills, Leon? How would you how would you rate him on the TikTok? The first few videos you got like a hundred thousand views, which what? is kind of crazy. Like, wow! So to, to be fair, um, I'm sort of doing it, and Leon's narrating it. So it was a joint effort between me and Leon. So I think it TikTok was his, his voice that got all the views, basically. There so we go. There cool. we go. Um, and if you get really desperate, you can always come find me at Burnt Beginnings Barbecue. <laughs> Uh, bottom of the heap. Uh, so that's how this thing works. So look, um, hopefully you guys, I know we've run long on this episode, but I think it's super worth it. Um, Such an awesome episode. It's, it's been yeah. so good. Yeah. I've got loads out of it. I'm going to change my entire style after sitting here tonight. Uh, so I'm going back to the back to the drawing board. Um, but look, thanks very much for sticking with us. As I said, give us a like, give us a share, give us a review, and we'll see you next time on Barbecue Base. Thank you.